there, and welcome back to Lessons As You Go. Today, I am so excited to share my very first interview with my good friend Maddie. Her interview is going to be released in three parts that have been shortened so that it's easier for you to listen to. Each segment is only going to be about a half hour and makes it easy listening for you. So sit back, relax, and try to learn some lessons as you go. So we are here today with my good friend, Maddie. Um, we met seven years ago. We were just talking about that. Seven years ago in our freshman year English class in high school. Um, so she played softball. She sang in the choir. She took AP classes. Um, she wanted to start an amazingly adorable family with her husband and her two kiddos now. So congrats on your kiddos and your family. Thank She's got you. her own house, which is crazy. Um, so this is kind of what like everybody has seen from the outside looking in. And I wanted to know more about like, what's the backstory behind you? So I figured we could start off kind of at the very beginning. And so could you tell us a little bit about your childhood? Like, what was it like growing up as Maddie? All right. So I grew up in uh, Worcester, Ohio, which is in kind of an Amish country. Um, So very sheltered growing up, you know, um, very Republican area, just very, I didn't really know much about the world growing up other than what was in my small little town. Um, so my, I was raised by my mom and stepdad. Um, my real dad left when I was about two years old. Um, it was a very toxic environment for everyone involved. Um, I remember, my mom telling me that there were times when, you know, they would be fighting and um, I would just be in the corner, you know, scared and covering my ears and stuff. So um, it was just best for everyone for him to leave, I think. Um, And growing up, you know, with any parent leaving, you know, that leaves some room for trauma, especially at such a young age like that, um, because there is some Um, trauma that I have suppressed and years years later I'm finally dealing with it and coming to terms with it which has been you know he and I have a relationship now we talk um, we're not super close or anything like that but um, you know we do talk and we've talked through some of those issues and stuff which is really nice and it's allowed me to process some of that trauma Um, and then we moved to Cincinnati when I was about 10 years old. Um, And that was a very hard transition for me, going from, you know, a country town to Cincinnati, you know. Um, So going to a new school, you know, kind of just uprooting my life and moving down here was really hard for me. Um, But like you said, I got involved in softball. I'm a very outgoing, friendly person. So it was very easy for me to make friends here. Um, and Little Miami was a great district for me to do that in because it is such a tight-knit community, or at least it was at the time when I went to school there, and, um, so yeah, you know, my parents, my dad, when we moved here, he got a job as a firefighter, and, uh, my mom worked as a waitress, um, part, I can't remember if she was part-time or full-time, but she was a waitress for Bob Evans, you worked with her. I did, I worked with her. (laughs) Um, you worked with her. And, you know, obviously waitresses, you know, don't make a ton of money. So we were on the, I don't want to say we were poor, 
but I know the mon- the value of money, if that makes sense. I know the value of um, my mom worked her butt off to make sure that, you know, my brother and sister and I had everything we needed. Um, and I've taken that into my life now. You know, you said I have a house. I've taken her strategy of, you know, spending money only when you need it and, you know, not going above your means and stuff like that. So I'm really thankful that um, we didn't have a lot of money growing up because it taught me to be grateful for the things I do have and to just kind of focus on what's important in my life. And I feel like when people get money and I'm guilty of this, you know, after high school, I was working three jobs. I really didn't have any bills and I spent all my money on materialistic things. And now I'm like, I could have saved so much money to buy like a new car for my kids. You know, I drive a little Honda Civic now, like it's a nice car. It's a newer, like I'm thankful for that, but like I break my back trying to get them in the car every time. So if I would have just like been smart, smart about my money, then, you know, I could have had things that we need and not necessarily all these clothes and shoes and things I don't need, you know, just, so she taught me to never go above my means. And I'm really thankful for that too. So, I mean, overall, you know, just processing that trauma from my dad has been really hard for me to come to terms with, especially because my mom has some trauma of her own that I think she doesn't want to talk about. So it wasn't always easy for me to talk to her about it, um, which I totally understand, you know, like if that happened to me or if I went through something like that, it would be very hard for me to talk about, especially if I'm in like a happy relationship like she is with my stepdad. And I'm so grateful for him and him stepping up Um, But, you know, there are struggles in that dynamic. And I think it's important for kids to know, like, if you're ever in that situation, like, you're not alone. Like, there are so, especially now when, like, you know, if you look back, like, in 1950s, 1960s, like, nuclear families were, like, the thing. And now, like, in today's day and age, you're seeing more and more, like, split families, if that makes sense. So I feel like, there's a certain kind of trauma for everyone in that because, you know, you so badly want to have both of your parents, but, you know, in some cases it works out even better because you get that bonus parent. And also, you know, sometimes you can work towards a relationship with that parent, regardless of like what they've done. You know, I don't want to say forgive and forget, but, you know, also like forgiveness is very important because it can help take that trauma out of your heart if that makes sense um so that was also very important for me was just forgiving him because that took a weight itself off my chest and it kind of you know cleared that negative energy from me and my mind and it also helped me move along in the healing process so how did you come to a place where you felt like you could kind of process through that trauma? Because I'm assuming you probably were, I don't want to say angry or put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming that you probably for a while didn't want a relationship with your dad. I was very angry. Yes. Especially because, you know, you don't know the whole story and you think, you know, why did he leave? Like, why wasn't I enough? You know, and you have that resentment in your heart and it's a lot, it's a lot to bear. Um, especially for a young girl like me, when you're going through like such big changes in your life, you know, those like ages 14 to 18 are like crucial for the development of your mental health. And it's setting the tone for the rest of your life and what kind of person you want to be. Um, so you can either choose to hold on to that and some people do choose to hold on to it and that's okay. But for me, it was just so healthy to let go of that. And I actually reached out to him when I turned, I want to say I was 15 or 16, maybe. 
um, he had been friend requesting me on Facebook for a really long time. And I would just deny and block because, you know, I was angry. I was very angry. And um, finally, I was like, you know, like, this is exhausting. Like, it's exhausting holding on to this. It's, you know, I had just gone through my eating disorder. So I was dealing with that. And so I was like, I already have enough mental health problems going on in my life. I don't need this extra added emotion on top of everything I'm already going through. Um, so I decided to unblock him and I was flooded with messages from him that he had been sending over the years. Um, so I still get emotional, like reading those today. Um, I was actually just going through them last night to kind of prepare for today. And like, he would wish me happy birthday every year and stuff and kind of seeing those like made me realize like, okay, like he did care about me, you know? Um, but at first I was very, it was kind of like dipping your toe in the water to test. And I was very like, you know, I don't like you, but like, I'm willing to like talk if that makes sense. So, um, it was very awkward at first. It was very, very awkward. Um, and getting some of that frustration out on him really helped like explain how I feel. It was kind of like letting out this big, just like breath. And in that breath was just all the, all the hurt and anger that I'd been holding in that I just like vomited out to him. You know, I sent him these long messages, like, you know, like, why did you do this? Like, you know, like you hurt me, blah, 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 blah. Um, so talking about it to him and talking about how I felt was very, very important in me stepping forward because it just felt like I was getting rid of all of that. It felt so good to finally get it off my chest because, you know, I really couldn't talk to my mom about it because, you know, I don't want to make her uncomfortable. I don't want to make her upset. Um, so I really didn't think I had anyone to talk to about it because it is such like a taboo thing to me it was I grew up in a Christian household for those that don't know um it was just such like a taboo subject for me um so it was kind of like the hush hush thing like you know we're this perfect family and you know my dad he worked really hard for what we have and I didn't want him to think that like I didn't love him any less because I wanted to have a relationship with my real dad um so that was also really hard was like not wanting to step on anybody's toes. Um, but I had to realize that like, I have to deal with my trauma and I feel like my parents will understand that. Um, and it wasn't easy, you know, it wasn't easy for anyone. You know, there was a lot of hurt that went around when like, you know, I talked to my mom about it, which understandably, like I'd probably, if I was in her shoes, I'd probably feel the same way. Um, so definitely like talking to him helped a lot. And we've kept in touch like over the years, we're a lot better now than we were. And we have recently been like discussing more of that trauma, which I'm really grateful for because I've been able to see both sides. And I've also been able to like say like, you know, from my point of view, like I just think, you know, it's it sucks that like you weren't in my life. But now I have two kids now and I'm, and I'm like, you know, I don't want you to mess up with them you know, I want you to know them. I want you to be in their life because, you know, I don't want them to grow up like, who is this like man that you like talk about, but like we don't see. So I don't want it to cause like confusion in their life. And I don't want them 
to catch any of that negative energy from me or get like, I don't know. I just don't want them to feel like they can't talk about it. They can't ask me about it. You know, I want them, I'm going to try and be as open as I can about things I've gone through in my life and things like that and how I've processed it with them. So that way, you know, they feel like they can come and talk to me about anything, regardless of if they think it's going to make me feel uncomfortable or not. I want them to know, like, if you have questions about like my situation, like you can ask me, you know, like you can come and talk to me, like it's okay. So just, you mentioned, you mentioned something and then through there that I also wanted to touch on today. Yeah. Um, so I know, I know that you've had some struggles with mental health just because we did, we kind of grew up not together, but we went through high school together, which I mean, feels mm-hmm. like you are bonded for life if you make it through all four years together. Yeah. Friends. Um, so could you tell us, I know you mentioned your eating disorder. Could you mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about some of the mental health struggles that you have gone through? Yeah. So I don't know, this, this also reminded me, I don't know if you remember this or not, but do you remember what Miss Bessler used to do with us when we were in her English class together. She would have us sit together, right? Yeah, she would have <laughs> us sit together so we could check in on each other because yeah. she like, yeah, she like saw this bond between us that we had. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to remind you of that because I just, <laughs> I always like, it warms my heart every time I think about that. Um, so yeah, my, um, going into my freshman year, I feel like a lot of people go through like, I don't want to say a chubby phase, but like you put on weight in junior high because you're kind of like growing into yourself. Uh, and I, growing up, I had always been on the thinner side. I was very athletic. You know, I played sports. I played volleyball in junior high and going into high school. So that summer I was like, you know, I'm going into high school. Like I want to look good. You know how, you know, the average 14 year old girl is, she yeah. wants to walk into high school. Like she owns it. So I started dieting and working out and stuff. And I really started getting into softball. I did softball year round. Um, so that summer I was in like the heat of the season. Um, so I was like, you know, I really want, just want to start working out. I want to start eating better. I want to lose like a couple pounds before we go into high school. And I lost, I want to say about 10, 15 pounds. And people kept telling me, you know, you look so good. You look really, really good. And I have an addictive personality. Um, no matter what it is, I get addicted and I'll get into that more as I get further into high school, because with more temptation comes more room to get addicted to something. Um, so when I heard people saying that to me, it kind of validated me. And I was like, I need to keep going. Like, I look so good now. Like I need to, I can't stop. Like I need to keep going. I need to like look better. Um, So, um, so I kept going and it kept getting progressively more and more unhealthier. Um, I stopped, I started eating less and then I started working out more and then that progressed into eating strictly foods that had no fat in them. Um, I started counting calories, even cough drops. Like I would freak out. Like I cannot have more than two cough drops because there are 15 calories in it. Like, and that is going to make me gain weight and I'm going to hate myself for gaining weight. And everyone's going to tell me I looked better. Um, so it took me down a very, very dark path going into high school. And I got a boyfriend right like a week before 
school started and he was actually the first one that was like you know this isn't normal because we had known each other for probably five years before that and he was like you're not acting right like this isn't you like you love food you love you know going out and I used to go out to eat all the time I used to love going to the movies getting like popcorn and snacks and stuff and if we would go on like a movie date like I wouldn't get anything and I think that was when he noticed like this isn't you like this isn't healthy like you know it's okay to like um indulge every now and then and I was like no like no it's not like no talk like that is going to make me gain a pound and that is unacceptable so it from there it just got progressively worse and worse and I went from eating once a day to eating once every two days and when I would eat it would be a half a can of green beans with nothing on them and one skinlet either one I would rotate every few days I'd either eat one like skinlet or like just like plain chicken like a chicken strip like a grilled one that you'd get frozen um I'd eat one of those and or I'd eat egg whites with the green beans because those were like the things that had protein that I could find because I was still in sports I was playing fall ball and I was playing volleyball at this point and um if you've played volleyball at Little Miami you know coach Bolton is very very aggressive with his training approach so we were working out like three days a week at a CrossFit facility. And then we were doing practice every night from five to nine. So, and then I would get home from practice and go run three miles in my neighborhood. So I was dropping weight very, very quickly and very, very rapidly in a very unhealthy way. Um, and at school, people kind of started to notice because obviously I'm not eating enough food to keep up with all these calories I'm burning. Um, so I was like a ghost walking the halls. You know, my hair started to fall out. I got very pale. I looked very sickly. Um, I even had someone ask me if I had cancer. That's like how I know. I'll, I'll yeah. Um, <laughs> but so I looked like a walking ghost and I felt like it. I didn't feel like myself. I felt like I was watching everything happen around me. And I was in this very, very dark headspace. Like I felt like I was trapped inside of a mirror and I had no way out. And so I wanna say in October, October, um, getting closer into the winter months, um, my family took me out to eat at Wendy's because I, that was like, I know, fine dining. That was like one of my favorite fast food restaurants. And they were like, okay, maybe if we like get her to eat like her favorite foods, like maybe she'll eat. And I had a breakdown in the middle of the Wendy's, like them trying to get me to eat. I was screaming, kick. I was not going down without a fight. Like I was not about to eat this, especially not like fried fast food, you know? Yeah. So I had a freak out and that's when my mom was like, this isn't good. Like, this is really bad. Um, and it really put a rift between my mother and I's relationship because she was like, you know, just eat, just eat. Like, why can't you just eat? And I feel like that is like the worst thing you can say to someone with an eating disorder, because it is not that simple. Um, like, especially one, like the mental aspect behind it. And also two, like physical, like if you eat too much too fast, like 
you're going to get sick. And that also opens doors to bulimia, that opens doors to binge eating disorder. Um, so I feel like figuring out like a meal plan with a nutritionist is probably the best thing that happened for me in the end. Um, because I didn't know how to regulate my body at that point. You know, I didn't know what was going to make me sick. I didn't know what was going to trigger me. I didn't know. I didn't know my own body anymore. Um, and then I went homecoming dress shopping. So I was like, you know, I'm really skinny. Like I want to look really good. Like I want a tight dress. And I want to say I was around almost 130, 140 pounds when I started and I was very muscular. So I wasn't thin per se when I started, but I was very toned and very muscular. I was healthy. Um, so we went to Eastgate Mall. There used to be a little store called Deb. I want to say it went out of business like a year or two after this. But um, we went there because that was like the place for homecoming dresses. And there was a scale at the mall. And my boyfriend's mom actually took me because my mom had to work. And she was like, can we see like how much you weigh? Like, I'm really worried about you. Like, how much do you think you weigh? And I was like, I mean, I was like 130 something pounds. Like, I'm probably like 114, 115 She's like, okay, let's just get you on the scale and see. I was 98 pounds at almost 15 years old. So um, that, when I saw that, like in my mind, I was like, this has gotten really out of hand. Like, this is not good. But then there was also this there, thing with anorexia. It's like this little monster in your head and it was telling me like, no, like, that's amazing. Like, you need to keep going. You can't, like, you can't quit now. Like, you have to keep going. Like, let's see how far you can take this. You know, like, you can look so much better if you just lose like 10 more pounds. And that's what you, like, that's another thing is like, you tell yourself like, oh, if I get down to like 95 pounds, I'll look great, you know? And then once you get there, it's like, but would I look even better at 90 pounds? And so it's just these limits that you keep pushing for yourself. Um, so after that, I, oh, I went to a volleyball bank. It was the volleyball banquet and they had catered Olive Garden, another food restaurant that I just loved and I didn't eat anything. And then we were all going to go for a hayride after. So I went home to change and I remember just like laying on my couch. I could barely breathe like I felt like my body was shutting down um and I remember just laying there like this is it like this is it like this is how I die you know like I felt like I like my organs were failing and I felt like I truly was not going to live another week um so that scared me and that scared me enough to eat something um because I was like, you know, I don't want to die. And then after I did eat something, it was um, rainbow marshmallows was my food of choice. Um, I ate that and then I felt disgusting. Um, I felt disgusting. And I thought, you know, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't live like this. And I was going to attempt that night. Um, I got in the bathtub and I was just going to take a bottle and just I was just done. Like my body and my, my mind, it was mainly my mind. The, the 
the body toll was a lot but what was worse was the mental toll that it takes on you because you just you feel so alone and I thought you know this is it like I just can't do it anymore like I'm so done like I'm so done feeling tired um like I'm so done having to do 10 sit-ups before I leave a room I'm so done doing crunches every morning the first thing I would do in the morning was feel my chest and stomach to make sure I could still feel my ribs every morning when I woke up it was like a reflex like my hand would go to my stomach immediately I would constantly stand in the mirror like turning and looking at my stomach and counting my ribs and making sure you could still see each and every rib so I was like all of these things were just going through my mind in that moment and I was like I can't I can't like I can't keep doing it I'm exhausted like my body's exhausted like I just I can't um I can't keep putting my family through this because you know it takes a toll on the people around you it really does um because you know the people that love you obviously don't want to watch you go through it um but the thing I learned is you can't force help you have to want to accept it yourself otherwise it's never going to get better you're going to find ways to relapse you're going to find ways to be secretive about it there are things you can do um so I was going to do it and my boyfriend at the time called me he was like hey like what are you doing and I said oh you know nothing just like taking a bath and he was like okay well I'm gonna come pick you up like we're gonna hang out and I was like why and he said I don't know I just feel like hanging out tonight so if he wouldn't have done that I don't know what would have happened you know how would I have gone through with it would I have done it you know what would have happened um so that was a, probably the darkest headspace I was in and then finally um December was when December 10th was my first day of treatment I was like I need I need medical help and accepting that was a big step in my healing process and I saw a group of three doctors I saw in like a physical doctor that you know monitored my body and how I was doing and I saw a therapist and I saw a nutritionist and the nutritionist was very understanding and I feel like that was like the support I had been looking for like someone who understood what I was going through and understood triggers and understood like this wasn't going to be an overnight process like this was going to take time and she was very very understanding in that aspect and she was very comforting in the fact that you know she made me realize like this is okay like this is why they have people like this to help because I'm not alone um and I was also diagnosed with POTS which is um postural orthostatic tachyandria syndrome I had never had issues with it until my eating disorder so we don't know if it's something that I had had and just had never been caught or if it was caused by my eating disorder um, but I still deal with it today um, it's very hard for me to work out for long periods of time and it was it's still very hard for me to even stand up without passing out because I just don't get that oxygen to my heart my blood pressure is very very low all the time I'm always cold I have had issues with my pregnancies because of it um, I actually was like near death and labor with my son. My blood pressure went to 66 over 44. It dropped and it was really scary. Um, and then, 
So after I received that initial medical attention, I had to continue seeing my therapist and she said, you can't play softball until you're up at this weight. And that was like my motivation. I was like, you know, this is my first year in high school softball. Like I've dreamed of playing high school softball since I was little, you know, like that's been the goal. And so I was like, no, like we have to like get better. You know, that was like my mindset. And it was very healthy for me too, because I was able to go about recovery very healthy just due to the fact like I was eating healthy protein rich foods while also working out to build that muscle back up. And I think I had two months maybe to gain 10 pounds. That was like what they wanted. And I did it. I did it. And I tried out and I made the team and I ended up actually like subbing up for a few varsity games as a freshman, which was very rewarding for me. Um, but there was still the thing with anorexia and just any eating disorder in general is that voice is always there. So like, I'm not going to lie. I had several relapses when things get tough in my life that well, when things got tough in my life at the time, that was my coping mechanism. I would not eat. Um, I went through a really, really hard breakup. I didn't eat for probably a week because people with eating disorders tend to be perfectionists so they like to have control and that was like the one thing I felt at the time I had control of and also he at the time was like my rock (coughs) so we broke up about two years after um, my diagnosis so for the longest time and throughout my entire eating disorder you know he was like my rock that I went to So I didn't have that support person anymore. So I relapsed very, very hard. And that was hard on me. It was hard on my family because, you know, I thought, you know, I don't want to go back to that place, but like everything else is just spiraling out of control right now. And this is the one thing that I can hold on to that makes me feel secure. All right. That was the first episode of Maddie's interview, the first part. So make sure that you tune in and listen for part two. 